Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Conor O'Gara. You know by that lovely intro what time it is. It's the most fun I've had. This one was awesome. I mean, it wasn't. It's it's also one of the, like, the, looking back at, like, the Adjustment More games we've done, there's been some absolute classics, at, and this one, I, I'm sure a lot of rival fans aren't going to believe this when I say it, but this was, like, one of the more heartbreaking ones I felt for, for like, the team that lost. It was, wow. It just meant more. 2014 Auburn at Ole Miss. I put so much emphasis on 2014 because, as I said in the Facebook group, I beefed up the other day. I did. And some of you were probably listening to that going, why were you talking about 2015 Auburn Ole Miss and Swag Kelly? And that had nothing to do with the game that we were intending to talk about, which, of course, became known as the Laquan Treadwell Injury fumble game, whatever you want to call it. Is there a specific yeah, name? I don't think they made t-shirts with that on it. They don't. Also, I'll be honest with you. It was funny watching you retroactively squirm on that on that beef up. But yeah, I don't I felt think terrible. anyone cared or even picked up on it. I talked <laughs> about totally Swag fine. Kelly, and Swag <laughs> Kelly was at last chance you while this is going on. Yeah, yeah. I felt bad. Well, because I, I, I was like, I, I knew what you meant, and I just, because I, I was like describing the actual end of the game, and... Like when we brought it up, I was like, "Okay, yeah." And then you were like, "Oh, we said the wrong, we said the wrong year." And just so, just for fun, I clicked on that year because I remember that year for something specific that I'll talk about later in the uh, or that game in 2015. It's something specific for something we'll bring up later on. But the first thing I saw when I brought it up was the Auburn quarterback situation, and it was Sean White and Jamie or Jeremy Johnson. And I was like, "Oh boy, Heisman candidate Jeremy Johnson. Who could ever Ooh. forget?" I had PTSD for Auburn fans in that one. <laughs> this game between number three Auburn, number four Ole Miss, were days removed from the first ever playoff poll coming out, which is important context for this because there were four SEC West teams in the top six. That's right, four SEC West teams in That's the crazy. top six, three in the top four, none of which were Alabama. Two of these, the two teams in this game, of course, were in the top four. And this, they kept saying on the broadcast, was essentially an elimination game because both yeah. teams had one loss apiece. Ole Miss had just lost the previous week to LSU. Bo Wallace headbutted a dude, headbutted Jamal Adams. <laughs> they, I, so, real quick, I, I do want to say this one thing, and 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 this is like a prep. A little preview or appetizer for next week. This was this was my favorite deep dive we ever done, and it prompted me to come up with the idea. And, and thank God Connor approved. We're gonna do a, a the next week of the adjustment more. We're gonna look back at the whole 2014 season because it is wild, fascinating. Yeah, and I, I'm sure there's some people out there that are thinking like, if it's 2014 Ole Miss, why are we not talking about the Bama game? It's a huge game. It's it's mm-hmm. it's like one of the like probably their landmark victory maybe of all time outside of. The, you know, one of the 62 national championship. One of the biggest days in the history of SDS was the Katy Perry corn yep. dog, all of that. I mean, the way that all of that went down was massive. And I know that yep. there are people thinking, hey, shouldn't we be talking about this game? Theoretically, I mean, it's it's by all means, it, it is a worthy game of adjustment more. But we wanted to look at this game just because I think this, what this kind of shows at the end is, is windows. Windows in sports yeah. that can be so fleeting and Ole Miss fans who have now seen the aftermath of what happened in the in the following years and the fallout of the Hugh Freeze, what they experienced before those years. Yeah, that's and that's that's a fair thing to bring up as well. I think they have good perspective of knowing how small those windows can be, and when you see one vanish before your eyes, like what yeah. happened in this game with Laquan Treadwell on the goal line, 
it makes you realize just how rare these moments are. So that's why I kind of wanted to dig into this more so yeah. than just you know looking at another Bama game or something like that. When Bama obviously still you know won the SEC, had had won the SEC and got the playoff bid. So the implications though of a and game to be like clear, this were that was Connor's idea. That was my idea to not do that. Just so we're all on the same page. No, but I mean, I think th- that game one. This was a better game than the Bama Ole Miss game. Probably a bit, yeah, better overall game. You could definitely and, make that case. I, I've said this before. I said it at the time, and I, I, I know like in the moment we can get caught up in stuff, and it's easy to embellish or, or kind of over-exaggerate certain things. I said this when it happened, and I, I, I say it today after rewatching the game again last night. This was one of the most bizarre, memorable, terrible, entertaining, like just crazy moments that I've ever seen in SEC football history with how it unfolded and how it played out, especially on television. There are three so. words that come to mind whenever I think of this play specifically. So much happening. I can't yeah. imagine watching this game <laughs> Dude, I, and wondering I'm... about all the different things that are going on as Laquan Treadwell catches this 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 quick... I mean, call it a quick it was, slant, whatever it was. Screen. It was a screen. It was, it was a screen. screen. He caught it, I forgot he caught it on the 23-yard line. Yeah, caught it on the 23 and... Breaks about like three different tackles and looks like he's gonna will his way into the end zone. So it almost it's almost like out of a sports movie or something like that. Yeah. You're watching this happen like the end of Friday Night Lights or something. Spoiler alert! But you're watching this happen and he's looks like he's about to score this game winning touchdown. Rule on the field is is a don't, touchdown. Don't 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 say it yet. Don't say it. Everybody, well, everybody at, by this point knows kind of. Like, we need to say, like, why we're talking about this specifically and why it was so impactful. So, Treadwell, of course, is is, is about to go across the goal line, and then kind of all hell breaks loose. You know, Ole Miss fans go from thinking that they just watched their team win this massive, massive game. Let me describe this. Because I've I've been doing this all morning. I did it with Allie, I did it with Will. Just just because it's it's so – you have – like – out of all the, if you don't watch the whole game, fine. Go watch this from like the YouTube video we watch, which is the full game. Go watch this five minutes in real time, and mm-hmm. I, it had to have been even longer when it actually happened, right? In real minutes, this is how this play unfolded. Now remember, Ole Miss, this, whoever loses this game is is like probably out of the playoff. Race, it's an elimination right? game, like they like right. they were saying, yeah. So, Ole Miss is is like they're in this game. They've had a they had a lead. Several times it's been a back and forth, and they go into this play. And right before the play, Brad Nestler says, "You don't need it. You don't need to make all three yards because you're not getting the ball back." And he throws this pass to, to Treadwell on, a, on like a, a slip screen. He breaks two, three tackles, and all of a sudden at the ten yard line, he breaks free. As he as he breaks free, it looks like he's getting the end zone, and he he doesn't get horse collared. Chris like, Frost did not Chris horse collar him. For of the record, of course, an Auburn player with a K to start his name mm. makes this tackle, and he does not horse collar him. But he is he is tackled in the exact same way that a horse collar tackle would would like how that would look like and how it would play out. So as he's doing this, he crosses the goal line, and you could tell like his feet cross the goal line. Yeah, and you could tell like I'm I'm squeamish about injuries stuff like that. I hate those those videos. You could tell as soon as it happened, it's something bad happened. Blackledge mentioned it right away. He fumbles the ball, but everyone's celebrating. They they signal touchdown. They're saying it's a touchdown. All of the above, and. Then there's like a loose ball. They're like they're diving for this loose ball, and as they're doing that, they're diving all over his damn legs, and and like which is painful enough. And as that happens, 
they they finally they they try to figure out like like what's what they're they're separating things. They got everyone on the field doing like you know the helmets off, praying for him, all this kind of stuff like right over him, right over the top of him. As they're carting him off the field, they literally have got him up onto the medical cart, take him off the field. As that is happening, and you've lost your best player, the refs just like subtly mention. Uh, after a further review, uh, the ball carrier actually fumbled the ball before the goal line. It was recovered the end by Auburn's first down Auburn. And you hear this like faint cheering from like the Auburn section because no one else in the Ole Miss section knows at all what's happening. Like, like, like it, it, the, the most, one of the most awkward parts of it too, is they're having to reshow the replay of him, of him breaking his legs yes. over and over and over. Cause they need because, the review because they, because they need to review. The and at one point, Nestle even says, he goes, okay, you know, it's probably, probably need to show that anymore. We probably, that's probably needs to be the last time we show that. And as he's saying it, like they have to show it because they're literally on, on air with, like the official, you know, whoever's like in charge of that. It was, and also the the one other part that just made it even more crazy train wreck TV. The camera guy, since it happened like so close to like the the, uh, I think it's it's a different setup now, but I, it was it was so the camera was so close to the stands and the mic was so close to the stands from where, where everything was happening. You could just hear the students and drunk fans because it's a night game. Just every every couple of seconds, f you. F Auburn, like, uh, and and it was just, it was wild. It was just absolutely wild. It was a stunning moment that really, I think, defined kind of the decade that was in the SEC and all these crazy, bizarre plays. <laughs> you think of how crazy the SEC was uh. from from kick six, second and twenty six. I'm not just going to say Bama moments here, but all the the wild things. Prayer, Jordan Hare. I'm not just going to say Bama and Auburn moments. But all the wild things that happened. The Ole Miss Arkansas game the following year, and like the lateral in twenty five. Yeah, all of the all of those those moments, and this is this is one of them. This is on. I, I think it has to be on the Mount Rushmore of craziest plays in college football the last decade, probably. And, and there were so many big, there was so much talent, and so many good teams, and so many teams ranked from the SEC mm-hmm. year. And I feel like we say that every year, but this year was so, like so I said, that's we're gonna have to do it all next week. It's so fascinating because to tell the story, it's. This I think this moment for a lot of fans is almost forgotten. Like, exactly, like, that's my point. Yeah, there, there was. I, I told this to Will this morning. One of the one of the craziest things I've, I've I've seen like looking through this that season alone. Like if you look at like how deep the SEC was, and I'm gonna have to turn my paper so I get bad. That season alone, there were nine top fifteen matchups in the SEC, and there was a span where from late September to uh, to this weekend, and, and game day didn't choose this game. Because they had just gone to Death Valley for for Ole Miss LSU. They did Ole Miss earlier in the year, obviously right. for the Bama game as well. So they they had four or five weeks in a row were were SEC teams. Okay, so what I want you to do, yeah, save that exact thing for next week, and we'll say it again. That's right. I'm just people I'm that are going to the, the the moment was so much bigger than I think anyone could have realized at the time, just because of like how important and how high everyone was ranked and all that. So. Let's set the stage. The directors for this game, I call this the battle of friends who started as high school coaches and talk every Sunday. Uh, Hugh Freeze and Gus Malzahn. I, I might need to shorten that name a, yeah, a little yeah. bit. But uh, Hugh Freeze, year three at Ole Miss. He is this up-and-coming offensive mind who was as preachy as preachy gets. I, I think that that's, that's fair to say. This, though, felt kind of like his time and like Ole Miss's time. They're a month removed from this. They're a month removed from this incredible win, of course, against against mm-hmm. Bama. Seven and zero start was the program's best in fifty two years. But I wonder, 
Was there at all, and I'm deferring to you on this because you understood the landscape of the league better than I did at that point, was there this enjoy-it-while-you-got-it feel to this team and this window? Because, yes, we're going to talk more about the 2013 recruiting class and how special it was for Ole Miss, but was there a little bit of this feeling at all of like, hey, we really need to be able to hit it big in these two years because if we don't, it's kind of going to hit the fan. No, I just think that nobody was taking it seriously that they were a good team. Mm. Like, like they were truly a good team. And, and I think, and I'm not, I, so I didn't feel that way about Ole Miss. Like, and you have to kind of group them in with Mississippi State this, this year because we'd never seen that from that, that state before. Like, you have these two teams ranked in the top three for, for most, most of October. Um, Mississippi State being ranked number one. And, 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 and by the way, just, just to kind of pull back for a second, this is all happening while an undefeated Florida State team is coming off a national championship. And and so and you and you also have the deepest year where every single SC West team is going to a bowl game and an Ole Miss all of a sudden is, is, is like the top. You're like, wait, what? Like so I wouldn't say that I, I ever thought it was like a, a window that was gonna close because I just thought that from what I was gathering, maybe this is gonna be the new Ole Miss. They were gonna start having like just a, a higher influx of talent and they had a, a better coach or whatever, but it wasn't like it wasn't like this this is like your one year and it's gonna be over. I just I think that most fans didn't ever think that this was even gonna be a year. Does that make sense? Mm, that's fair. Yeah. Like like it wasn't gonna close, it just was like they were never even gonna get there to, to reach this like elite status. Like they would be able to I mean, you know, we talked about with Arkansas, like they've had some seasons with these ten wins. I think that most people kind of just kind of lumped it with that. I asked that because January twenty sixteen, of course, NCAA charges Ole Miss with just a bunch of violations and Hugh Freeze <laughs> infamously pinned it all on the Houston Nut era. Houston Nut did not take that too kindly. His attorneys get involved. They get his Hugh Freeze's phone records. Everybody knows what happens after that. The they escort get Hugh service. phone records because Houston Nut was mad that he was using his like slandering his name. The irony is, saying it wasn't his great. fault, and it was like. That yeah. one came back. That one came back to, to bite Hugh Freeze. We can we can safely say yes. that. My question, all of that and the way that this played out, where Ole Miss really really fell apart once all this went down, and they had the the self sanction of a postseason ban. Does all of this play out this way if it's the late '90s? Obviously, we don't have cell phones, so it's a different story. But this was this felt like a very 2010s story. That I mean, we're not talking obviously about cell phone records and stuff like that. Yeah. But the wild, wild west nature that we've talked about in the past, we talked about it in the, the early 2000s and how that was kind of the end of it in the SEC. Does this play out differently if it's you know like a decade? Yes. Earlier? A thousand percent. It, it plays out the way we've seen the SEC play out for every other year. It plays out probably, no offense, guys, but it probably plays out the way that Auburn 2010 played out. Like, it, it, it's, mm. it's, it's a, so, and old people make, like, they embellish this a little bit with how Ole Miss, like, had never had, you know, that great of a recruiting class, and they hadn't. Like, they finished eighth in, like, 24-7's uh, composite range. Had four right? five-star kids in that class They had as well, four, yeah. so, and here's, here's why it was, like, kind of crazy, and, like, it was so blatantly obvious that some like everyone always accuses somebody else of cheating when they're when they're not getting their way. This I was like really big into recruiting at the time, and, and I remember that a lot of these a lot of these races like like, I mean Robert Kimdichie was from Georgia. He was a long time like I thought like I had heard from sophomore junior year of high school he was going to Bama. Then he I think he was either committed to Clemson or just basically like it was like a hundred percent crystal ball. He was going to Clemson. And he committed to Clemson the, before, yes. Okay, so and then what, uh, ultimately joined his brother Denzel. Yeah. So what made yeah, so it made this obvious from from the people that follow recruiting was 
Laramie Tinsel was a five-star kid, number one tackle in the country. It was a long time between Georgia and Bama, and he was a Georgia lean. Everyone knew he was going to Georgia. And all of a sudden, like with the last three weeks, he goes he goes to visit Ole Miss, and then he commits to Ole Miss. And then you look up, and it's like, hold on. They also got this other four-star kid from Illinois who's the number one receiver in the country. And he's then they a, get he's a five-star. Ended up being a yeah, five-star. So five-star. Yeah, five-star Probably, uh, yeah. receiver. And so you're like, you have four five-stars, and up until that point in the entire history of Ole Miss football, they had a total of four or five stars that had come into that program. And so for it all to happen one year, for have three of them to be out of state, and for especially for them to be like not really considering your school until the like very end out of nowhere, it's suspicious, I would I had, say. And everyone does it, but it was suspicious. I had a, a guy who was kind of more of like a distant friend in high school who uh, ran track at Ole Miss, uh, ironically yeah. enough. And I remember when all this is going down, he's posting all this stuff on Facebook about how excited he is about Ole Miss recruiting. And I'm like, what does this dude talk? Why is he putting that on his Facebook feed? Like, who cares about Ole Miss football recruiting? Oh, and then in 2013, obviously, it was a very big deal. But, like, that's – for somebody in my position, I didn't really – give Ole Miss a second look until all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, they've got how many five-star kids coming in? And that was Hugh Freeze at his peak. Obviously, the way that he was getting those kids, different story. And there's another, there's one more layer to it that I think needs to be addressed like about just the Ole Miss case specifically. And and that's what, again, makes this this specific matchup so, so incredible to watch was you have these two former high school coaches, these two offensive like masterminds and, and geniuses. And this is really at the like the very edge of the hurry up no huddle offense and like kind of transitioning to that where where defenses had not caught up to it. And yep. case in point, Ole Miss had the number one scoring defense in the country that year and they were giving up sixteen points a game. Which I'm is glad you very pointed that high. out. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. That so, was a wild stat to look back I'm like, wait, sixteen points a game? Yeah. That it seemed like very high. So you you look at Ole Miss and like again, like why like where they had come from to then, like 2009, they were they were preseason ranked. They had Jevin Sneed, and I want to say they were in the top five. Um, and then they, they ended up going like eight and four or something like that, like just underachieve. So the last two years under Houston Nutt, they go four and eight and two and ten, and and they had lost in going into Hugh Freeze's first year. They had lost sixteen or fifteen straight SEC games. So it's it's like it surprises you when somebody's been kind of like you know the the basement dweller of the SEC. Yep. And then also they're good. It surprised you more when they're still technically in the basement before this season, and they haven't won an SEC game in fifteen ye- or fifteen games, and all of a sudden they have four or five stars. This is true. That's a fair. That's a fair thing to, to bring up. Hugh Freeze's buddy Gus in year two. He started off eighteen and three going into Dude. this game. He beat seven top twenty five teams, and his losses. Listen, to his losses alone. At number six LSU in 2013, and then of course national championship against Florida State on a, a you know last minute. Don't touchdown. even, don't even, don't you even. Like, I'm gonna get so mad right now. Don't you even dare put some sort of justification on it being a last minute. They only got to the national game. championship because of the kick six and the prayer Jordan Hare. I know, I know, I understand that. And then they had lost uh, at number three Mississippi State as well. But he had basically won every national coach of the year award in 2013. And his style, yeah. as you mentioned, still very much cutting edge. The the spread, hurry up, no huddle, run heavy thing. People were still sort of catching up to this. And Gus, there were even some wrinkles in this game where you're just like, look at, look at Gus, look at him go. This is, uh, I, I look at all this pre-snap him. motion. It's great. So I want to do a ranking with you of of us trying to describe our favorite Auburn plays. Like, what's your favorite <laughs> Auburn play? Mine's the one where the the running back is is on one side, and then he runs, but he's jiggling his feet the whole time, and then he runs in a circle, like a big, big 
half circle around uh, dude it is it is it's like a nightmare trying to, to catch up <clears throat> to catch up with it mine's uh my favorite one was when he had like two offensive tackles line up as eligible receivers on the right side on this <laughs> this uh as gary danielson would say this on balance line oh my um, god on the right side they, they scored a touchdown doing that too i can't remember which one that's the was. first touchdown of the game oh yeah that's right that's right and they oh. it was a weird weird formation but it was like yeah good for good for that's gus not He's weird still, if you watch sure. if you watch gus malzahn man that is like <laughs> Ugh. The A-listers in this, uh, we've already talked about them a bit. Laquan Treadwell, uh, Chicago in the house. You don't see a whole lot of Chicago kids like that go down to a place like Ole Miss. That's that's a lot of five stars coming like from Chicago. You don't. Football. It is it is not a, a football uh, football loaded state in terms so, of recruiting. It's much more on the, the basketball side. From the Big Ten side, I don't know if you remember this, just because, like you know, you you're a logical person with like self interests that are actually fun. And healthy, but do you remember this being like a like was was his recruitment in in the Big Ten area was that like something that was being like hot, like you know watched closely or I thought I remember Penn State and Michigan being the big ones, and then it was kind of like it was it was kind of assumed that he was going to a Big Ten school, but then the Ole Miss thing was kind of like oh I guess he wants to play in yeah. the SEC and that's that's the best way to do it, but the justification for all that stuff and for somebody like Treadwell to want to do that is. You know, I, and I, this is what these coaches sell and why if they're they'll, they'll, what they try and say to get out of the whole like, hey, you're obviously cheating is, well, he can go to a place like Ole Miss and play right away. And then sure enough, that's what he does at Ole Miss. And he tears it up as a freshman And this in his sophomore season. I mean, I thought he was the best player on, on that team, clearly, and was looking. For Ole Miss? Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for Ole Miss and was looking like. You know, every bit the all-American future first round receiver that, that mm-hmm. he was. I mean, he it, it wasn't just, you know, it was the size and the hands that obviously stood out for him. But he he would do things like he, he had this sequence in the second quarter of this game where he makes two blocks on yeah. this Bo Wallace run. And Todd Blackledge like loses his mind talking about Treadwell. He's <laughs> yeah. like just gushing about him. And then he the brought very it up next the, play. in the second half. He yeah, brought, brought up, it up the same later. Blocks. Brought it up later. And then the very next play. Bo Wallace hits him on a screen for for the TD to, to take the yeah. lead. And it was just like, Laquan Treadwell does the little things. He's a guy that is just, you know, you can build a, an offense around somebody like him. Gritty. He's got that Midwest grit. That's what they say. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah, so, and Treadwell was, it was, he was fun to watch this offense. And this was, like, it kind of it kind of surprised me to he's the most talented person on this team because there was there was so much underrated talent on this team, like on both teams. And, and what's, what stood out to me, one of the things that happened to me of this was the receivers in this game specifically. And Huge, I don't want to like big it was physical. Sammy Coates and and Duke Williams, in my opinion, are the most underrated receiving combo in the history of the SEC. Like just hands down. Most underrated. I'm sure there's a Kentucky fan's like, what about when Jack Jefferson and old Skilly Legs McGee, they had <laughs> 700 yards and uh, whatever. Like, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't even know what Skilly Legs McGee means, but like, but like those, it was, they were such a physical mismatch in this game and, and Treadwell, especially to be that young and to still be that impactful mm-hmm. was really, really like for him to stand out on a team full of like, you know, some, like some other standouts was, was impressive. Senquez Golson, the Ole Miss cornerback, who was a unanimous All-American, he had the, as you had the recall, pick against Bama, yeah. yep, had the pick against Bama to seal that win, had eight interceptions coming into this game, and he had another pick 
in this game. He was actually the only player on that Ole Miss team that was drafted in 2015. He was a second-round pick for the Steelers, and unfortunately for him, he's, you know— He's now out of the league because he kept getting hurt, just got hurt yeah. repeatedly. But he had some some big-time moments in this game. We're going to get to a couple of them later. But just this guy who you notice him. Like, he is – the the way that he covered, he, he had this ability to jump routes, and he should have had a jumped route touchdown. Oh, at the my end of the God. Game. Easily should have and, and ended Auburn's chance of a comeback in that one. But he was this guy who, when you think lockdown – cover corner in the SEC, he kind of fit the bill, although he had some tough moments in this game. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely did. Um, incredible season. Incredible season. I, I think there was, um, like, you know, anybody that talks about this defense, you look at the Kim Dietschy brothers for sure. And, but like, the Golson, nine interceptions. I didn't even look at the, the end. Did, did he hit, did he get a double digit interceptions? Probably. That's, a, that's an insane amount of, of interceptions in a season. Like at some point, you just stop throwing towards him. Like just, yeah. just like I don't know what we're doing don't. here, guys. Um, but yeah, th- he was he was really impressive. I thought like the next one you have listed was th- these two are the ones I'll, I can't wait to talk. All about. right, let's let's talk about it because Bo Wallace is a great character in all of this. One of the reasons that Last Chance You became Last Chance to You, uh, East Mississippi, first the, chance you, <laughs> the three year starter was coming off of that horrible LSU game, and like we said, he had the headbutt into Jamal Adams after this play where he threw that awful interception into double coverage and <laughs> it was just an awful play all around. He had moments in this game where he was heated. That They even said on the broadcast going in, like, you know, we need uh, – Ole Miss needs him to kind of be this steady guy. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way this guy is going to be this calm, steady guy. Um, so so I, I have a comp for this. and I, think I do it, too. It I'm be... curious how close it is to mine. I doubt it's as close. To, it's close at all because okay. this is. I think this might be my best reference, maybe possibly ever. And I could just be exaggerating, but uh, Bo Wallace is either Tim Tebow with a DUI or oh. my personal favorite. He is Church Camp Stephen Garcia. He is a like Stephen Garcia light, like a better quarterback at times. But I, I remember, I remember like my Facebook status when this happened because it like Facebook sent me a memory of, like last fall and just saying Bo Wallace is gonna Bo Wallace and you know <laughs> he, it's gonna happen at some point and and you kind of hate to see it because he really put up impressive numbers of, he of like he averaged he averaged thirty I think it was like thirty two touchdowns uh, I'm sorry he averaged um, thirty five hundred total yards and twenty seven touchdowns per season as th- as a three year starter and being a three year starting quarterback in this league is is that's tough to do. He also, and he played really well in this game. Very he did. well in this game. He was good in this game for a lot of He it. also had a double-digit touchdown, or a double-digit, ah, Jesus, double-digit interceptions yep. every single season. And mm-hmm. when I say he had a DUI at one point, not while he was in college, I'm just saying, look it, it up. Happens. It's the worst mugshot you'll ever see in your That's, life. Why isn't he wearing a shirt? Why isn't he well, wearing it, a shirt? Yeah, what, what happened to his right side? Was he mauled like, by, by yeah. Tiger King? Yes. It was. It, it was very... Odd, but but I, I say that like he was he was this this guy like I think that the 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 Tebow reference is just because he was there for so long the the church camp Stephen Garcia I think is spot on because he was a a good looking kid and he was a quarterback of this you know this this he had the Bama University bangs too. he had the Bama bangs like long hair and and he was he was kind of like a gritty dude and it like people people rallied around him but there were these moments and there were so many of these moments where he just did something you're like Bo what the are you doing? Felipe Franks was my comp. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Felipe. He's, he was better Felipe, Felipe Franks. Yeah, but probably a better college quarterback than Felipe. But these moments where, like, you just you ride the wave with him, and he would do things that make you want to pull out your hair, and then he would make a throw where you take a step back, and you're just like, oh, all right. There, I don't know if there are a ton of human beings on this planet that could do what you just did, but the mistakes are what a lot of people are going to remember, but a good career nonetheless. He seems like the kind of guy that you'd be like, He's like, you know, if you're down in the fourth quarter and he wants to like rally the team on the sideline, he's like, I got this. Get on my back. I'm taking us to a victory. And then grabs his helmet and puts it on his head and runs out there and they're like, Bo, that's not a helmet. That's a mop bucket. You can't. It's not. <laughs> and, then not throws, okay, and then throws a pick down the game and then yes. just like lights up his receiver. Yeah, that's that seemed kind of like. That's the... on me. That's on me. I'll get him next time. There is no next time, Bo. The game's over. Nick Marshall, I want you to to try and keep the blood pressure down. I know it's going to come up a little bit. I know it is. I know it is. He was obviously part of the, the craziest season in Auburn history in he was 2013. kicked out of Georgia for stealing from his teammates and then went to Auburn. You didn't let me get two sentences in before coming out with that. Yes. Uh, obviously, Pereira, Jordan Hare. Um, he was kind of the epitome of why though Gus had such early support and why there was this belief that Gus was this great, incredible offensive mind. And Gus was very much in that category at that time, deservedly so. But what he was doing with Nick Marshall, I think, was gaining a lot of momentum. Now, heading into the 2014 season, a little bit of a different story. He had the weed arrest that summer. It kind of... I didn't know that. Yeah. It kind of set the stage for this up and down year that he had. But in this game... It felt like he got some of that 2013 magic back. I mean, that bomb that he threw to Sammy Coates. Okay. Basically, every time so, he threw a bomb in this game, I was like, that looks like Prayer and Hair. So, well, no. So, the first off, I'll admit that I I have not given him enough credit as a quarterback in terms of his arm strength. Like, him, that ball he threw in the Prayer Jordan Hair, that ball, like, was, was a very, very nice pass. There's not a lot of quarterbacks I've seen in the past 10 years can make that pass. And I understand how lucky it was, but still, um, he was he was a lot better quarterback than I gave him credit for. I, I've always said he is the best quarterback that Gus Malzahn has ever had. And I'm saying as a head coach, not with Cam Newton. Don't don't start and freak it out. But like he's the best quarterback Auburn has ever had while Gus Malzahn has been the head coach because he is perfect for that system, which is yeah. predicated off of being able to run or at least give the illusion that you're running. And this these two teams like that Auburn had 2013 2014. It was. I'm not trying to be funny when I say this. It felt like a, a panic attack. Like like last night watching them, I like felt my blood pressure like rising up because it's this. Everyone's in motion, and you don't know. Like you're gonna fake to the the running back, and then they got another guy coming around on a sweep, and you're gonna fake to him. The ball's behind you the whole time, and then you're gonna throw this like lolly, like just like lollipop loop deep ball off your back foot. Usually the into same double coach. coverage, yeah. and Sammy Coates is gonna come down with it. And like or Duke Williams, that yeah. that was what was so incredible watching Sammy Coates and, and Duke Williams is that. I mean, I tell you what, Nick Marshall against Bama in 2014 lit their ass up. Like they had 602 yards of offense. Like, he, they were. I think actually they had 636. They they were. He he was a, a lot better of a quarterback than I gave him credit for. He was more accurate than I thought. And in this game, he had a, he was fantastic on the road against the number one scoring defense in the country. Nick Marshall showed up, and it, it, it was the escapability to me that really that really stood out. Like you said, it, it gets your heart racing when you see him escape some of these and keep plays alive. But he was he was fun to watch. Not the most skilled, not the most accurate, but a a, a piece of the Auburn puzzle that was very very important. Obviously, those two years. Another piece of that puzzle, K-12 
Cameron Artis Payne, um, SEC's leading rusher that year, over 1,600 yeah, yards. Yeah, for rush, uh, running backs that year. Yeah, yeah, down year, but I mean, like, replacing Trey Mason to just, that that's kind of the Auburn way, yeah. or at least it was during the decade, to be able to just, oh, Trey Mason's gone, and no big deal, we're just going to have the SEC's leading rusher, senior, like, yeah. former Juco kid, no big deal, that's fine, whatever. And I, should, I shouldn't have phrased it that way, especially that that should have been my first reaction, because he was a great running back in this league. Like, he was, he was like a bruiser, but still, like, was, like, elusive enough, and these big, big, uh... Like like little like small spaces. He he was a really good running back that year. Fifth round pick by the Panthers. Mo- more recently though, on the XFL's Dallas Renegades. Fun fact that a lot of people. Knew Peyton that. Barber was the fourth string running back on this team. Peyton Barber, who just got a new deal going to the Redskins, actually. That's yeah. classic Auburn though. All right, the breakout performers. I only have one for this, but I think he's a good one. I think he's one of the better ones that we've had for this category. Um, or unless you have, are there any other A-listers that you that that I skipped over that you wanted that you wanted to no. get into? Okay. No, I mean not really. I'm trying to think of. I have I have a bunch of people of like the because the, the there are extras. there are yeah prominent extras is where we're gonna hit on people because I'm sure yeah. there are people Ole Miss fans especially who are like wait you didn't get to this person this person no we will get to them trust me breakout performer I had Evan Ingram here and I understand second team All SEC as a true freshman this is his sophomore year. But this was this game was when he really cemented himself as a big time player. Eight catches for 118 yards and a touchdown. Both those were career highs. The yeah. play that that just jumps off the charts, and you're like, this kid is is special at the tight end position. He had that little hitch where I I think his back is to the end zone, and all he did is turn around and just dart past yeah. Auburn receivers, 50 yard touchdown. I mean, he went off in the last in, in the last three regular season games and got first team All SEC. And the interesting thing is that he was part of that loaded 2013 class, but he was barely a top 1,000 recruit. And in my top opinion, top 1,000, he was barely in the top 1,000. Did you see his picture too? The, yeah, he he looks picture? 12 years old, like a kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he became, in my opinion. SEC's best tight end of the decade. First round pick. You can make the case Hunter Henry as well. I think what what Evan Ingram did in four yeah. years at Ole Miss, very, very I impressive. mean, people, P- Bama fans will get upset and say O.J. Howard, but let's just remember that O.J. Howard had one big game. And none of you else would have, no one else would have, you would have called him a bust. I, I agree with you. I, I don't know. I would, it's hard for me to say over Hunter Henry, but, um, or Isaac Nalda. Um, no, I'm kidding. But I, yes. So, he... That's who I had to written down. I, I wanted to put. I don't want to say Marshall because he wasn't really a breakout star. And Ingram had already he'd already had a big game. I think he caught the first touchdown pass against Bama in that game. And and he they, Hugh Freeze was able to do a lot of things with him where you can slip him into space and like these wheel routes and and like kind of, kind of like like behind these like you know slant routes from receivers or just like you know on, on like a pick, not really a pick, but like you know like where you're like pretend like fake blocking for like two three seconds and then mm-hmm. you know. Get into the next level once like, the linebacker commits, and he he was he was such a, I think at this time you had obviously seen some tight ends that were like big physical tight ends that were just blocking tight ends, and you had some that were like the tweeners, and and he just seemed like he did both so well, and he had like this elite speed, like he he was just he was as good as a receiver at the tight end position, and and that was what surprised me because like you said like he was not a big recruit, and all of a sudden. I remember hearing like there were rumors like he's like you know he could be a potential first round pick and I was like that's crazy and then this game watching it back you're like oh yeah people other people don't do that yeah probably one of the five best tight ends in the NFL as of right now Giants mm-hmm. have big plans for him all right the prominent extras we got to start with my favorite plays Matt Luke I think there was only one shot of Matt Luke but oh we have Matt Luke oh okay 
Hey, Connor. How you doing, Matt? Connor, I just want to let you know, I, I don't know if you saw my video here the other day. This is Matt Luke. You talking about Matt Luke, head coach, Ole Miss football. At the time, talking about Matt Luke, offensive coordinator, Ole Miss football. Been there since 2000. Love my time in Oxford. Love my time in Oxford. Having a ball in Athens. Having a ball in Athens. Uh, but, you, you know, I, I, I do miss those guys, uh, and, and I, I hope they're all doing well. Coach, you needed to be on TV way more than you were. I mean, I only saw you like once or twice. You needed way more FaceTime. It was a, it was a crying Luke. shame. Angry oh. dad at the pool, Matt Luke. His, his, oh. like, the fact that I forgot he was the OC. How much do you think Hugh Freeze let him do? Not much. I That's what I was wondering about. about. But, but like, Matt Luke is such a good glue guy for a university and a program like that. That like went there, played there, like loves loved Oxford until they fired him. But um, yeah, I thought that, that was interesting that he was he was the OC there. I forgot about him and Rhett Lashley facing mm. off. Good old Rhett. Rhett's at Miami now. Yeah, Rhett Lashley is probably my least favorite name I've ever. Heard. Unless <laughs> your name was like Jace Jason, that's the only way it'd be worse. <laughs> Robert Kimdichi. He is a prominent extra because he's not an A-lister yet, and I know you're going to get frustrated because his stats were not nearly what one would have thought, given the nature of what he was billed as as a recruit or what you know, even what people are saying about him as a prospect. I, the rabbit hole of Robert Kimdichi stuff was significant for me. Um, I found an ESPN story from Mark Schleybach saying, "This is my favorite part. This is so great." Saying. In the first four paragraphs, Robert Kimdichi is likened to Herschel, Bo, Reggie White, Julius Peppers, Lawrence Taylor, and Derek Thomas. In the first four paragraphs, he was he was the next clowny, but but like different, stronger, and 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 what like it was like yeah I don't so I I talked to Will about this and this is something that I'm not making a joke I can't none of this can will ever be aired on this podcast. But his best friend's mom was a regular of ours at Houston's, and I've known her for years. And we were friends for a while, because she would just come into the bar like three or four times a week. And it wasn't until like a few years that I'd known her that she even brought up Robert Kimchichi's name, because her son was living living with him in Arizona. Mm. And she would come in and just vent about her daily things like as you do with a bartender and the stories that i heard from about robert kimdichi was just like like i just I, it's it, it honestly might be one of the saddest cases we're gonna see looking back on it of, of like wasted talent it's unfortunate because in this game and he had a, a moment a not so great moment in this game that we're gonna get to but i kind of was going in, i had him on the a-listers to start because yeah. you look at his career, and he's a sophomore now at this point. You're like, all right, well, there's going to be a lot of Robert Kondichi in this game probably. And was very, very quiet. He still, though, was part of the number one scoring defense in the country. And everybody knows that he's you know, Ole Miss's top recruit since Eli in 99. And he was part of this great 2013 class. But you look back on his career and his numbers, which were pedestrian, way more pedestrian than people probably realize, and of course, after his three years in Oxford are up, the incident that was talked about a lot in draft circles, falling out the yep. window at the Buckhead Grand Hyatt, which I, I can't imagine. A half a mile from Houston's. I was going to say, that's got to be really close to where you used to live, isn't it? Yeah. And her son was with him when it happened. And it was, uh, it is, I mean, it's, it's close to where I live now. Like it's, I mean, it, it, whatever. It's just, he, 
he should be remembered for a lot more than that, but it, he's just, he's a lost soul. It's too bad. It's too bad yeah. because when you read, when I read stuff like that and as crazy as those comparisons are, yeah. you're like, okay, I, I want to see that play out. I want to see somebody take <laughs> over a game, you know? I'm just thinking like, like if you, if you rewrote this, like if Mark Slaybach rewrote this and it just says like, he's somebody has been compared to Herschel, Bo, Reggie White, and 2013 Chris Marler. He's just got to get his <laughs> together. Like, it's just, Goodness, goodness. Yeah. All right, speaking of troubled but talented guys in that 2013 class, Laramie Tunsil. He did he not play that? in this Why game. Why did he take that picture? <laughs> it's one of the more infamous pictures in the history of the NFL, NFL draft, whatever you want to call it. Didn't play in this game, though, because of a partially torn bicep. We find that out basically yeah. as soon as Ole Miss gets the ball and they go down to Holly Rowe and they're like, oh, Laramie Tunzel is actually not going to be playing in this game. The starting left tackle for this team was the best offensive lineman that Ole Miss had. And I thought it hurt Ole Miss at some key points in this game where it just didn't look like Bo Wallace was necessarily getting the protection. They missed him in the running game as well. Yeah, but The number one tackle in the country, coming to high school in the five-star future first-rounder being out was... You know what What it what it said to me was, and this is something that you texted yesterday and I about lost my mind, was I didn't realize how lucky Auburn gets. And I was like, brother. I, I said that just to troll you, but yeah. Dude, it like there's so many points in this game where that comes up. There are, and Ole Miss's protection was was lacking. They they really didn't even trust the ground game at all to do much of anything. I mean, Bo Wallace uh. was scrambling more than than he was comfortable doing, and Tunzel not being able to play in this game was was a big part of it. The, can we talk about the video real quick? The video that everybody knows about by now, the <laughs> gas mask with the bong, 2016. So he was smoking marijuana cigarettes in that mask. I just remember when that came out because when we had our old SDS offices here in Orlando and all my bosses just start freaking out. They're like, what in the world is this right now? They start taking screenshots and like that's that's the way the internet works in, yeah. in, in this era. It was amazing. It was something it that came you out. just didn't believe. I, I think I'm misremembering the time exactly. It came out within within the hour. No, of, it was, it was like draft. 20 minutes before the draft. I was going to say, I thought it was like 12 that. minutes. I thought it was yeah. 12 minutes for like 17 minutes. Mm-hmm. But like, it's, if the draft's at 8, it it a thousand percent happened between 7.30 and 8. And and then and then you start hearing about it, and it was like his stepdad that le- like leased oh. it or, or released it. It was like, or leaked it. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh. There's just like, there's just so many things. Like, I'm not, I'm not smart. I'm not smart. But I remember several times, even in my dumb drunken, stupid, whatever mind where I've said, I'm not going to do that. I'm trying to be famous one day. Like, I'm not, I'm not, you know what? I'm good. And he was like, let me put this gas mask on my face. <laughs> you feel awful for him because then... No, you don't. He, plays, he did. Well, you, you, you feel awful for the fact that he's... I, I always feel bad for the kids who are sitting there watching their draft stocks fall oh, yeah. before our well, eyes. He was drafted the first round, wasn't he? He was drafted number 13, but he, he was passed up by two teams that needed tackles, and it was like he was... Probably going to be a top five, pick. and then got traded to a better team because of the tanking thing for the draft. Like he, his life worked out fine. I, I tell you what, did make me sad was the stepdad thing. That's like that's incredibly yeah. messed up. There was also the probably the more significant thing for Ole Miss that night was him admitting that he was paid by an Ole Miss assistant. Oh yeah, that same <laughs> night. Like you what? know what though? And, and here's, everyone talks about how they everyone knew he got paid, and and he definitely did, and and everyone does it. But it was like. 
it was kind of like this aha moment because everyone knew, but then we finally really knew, you know? Mm-hmm. I was so underwhelmed, I'll say, with the amount of money he was paid. What was it? Talk about the game. It was like $800 a month. Oh, that's not that bad. That's not that yeah. bad. Um, last one here in the prominent extras. Real quick, Carl Lawson, the Auburn defensive lineman, also missed this game. Had a torn ACL before the 2014 season. So I guess Harvard didn't get completely lucky in every way, shape, or form. Don't this worry. This is the number two overall player in the country going to high school from Alpharetta. Yeah. It was a five-star. Was big, big. Um, I was wondering if you had any stories about him because I saw that he went to, to Milton High School. No, I don't know anything about him. Um, but I, I will say we have uh, some of the prominent extras I remember. So Melvin Ray and Corey Grant, they were just extras. Corey Grant played a little bit more in than In the return game, Melvin right? Ray. Yeah, so he was a former... Four star, maybe five. I don't think he was a five star. He was a um, he played for Bama and then he ended up transferring out uh to go to Auburn. That was like one of the first, was you know, like kind of heated back and forth they had and at the time with like Ruben Foster, especially. And then you have Melvin Ray, who was a commit to Bama in 2008, uh, but played minor league baseball and he was on this team too. Rock Thomas, former five star from Oxford, which is right next to Anison, um, but never really, never really turned out like he just just wasn't as good as i thought he was gonna be sean coleman from five star and i also had peyton barber on there which i thought was interesting because he was the fourth string running back on this team a lot of very recognizable names in this game for sure before we get to the story arc here marler can you tell us about our friends over at bet online guys i don't know how many times i can tell you go to bet online right now the economy's crashing uh we're, we haven't got our 1200 checks yet from the government but in the meantime what you can be doing He's playing a little poker, okay? Just dabble in with some chips, uh, play some tournaments, all the above. And they actually, BetOnline, one thing I do love about BetOnline is every single day on their Instagram, they post a graphic of, here's what you can bet on today. And if you're missing gambling, you know, you don't have to be like, I don't want to say degenerate, just say devoted, like I am. And if you want to be gambling on something and you miss it, go to go to betonline.ag today, set up an account, but also go to BetOnline, go to their social media, they make everything so easy for you so you can track what you're watching and what you can bet on. So, there you go. Let's talk about this game. That's story like five minutes in. Your favorite line from the broadcast. Would you like to start or would you like me to start? Um, I would like to start. Fire away. I would like to start. And so, this is this is kind of... It's my favorite and also like the, the coldest take. I'm going to combine them. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> so, after halftime... After halftime... Holly Rose talking about how she talked with Gus Malzahn coming out of the locker room. And she says, hey, did you address this? Uh, they're talking about the penalties. And he's like, you know, we get the running game going, blah, 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 all the coach speaking. goes, but the real thing is the penalties. And, you know, we had 10 in the first half for however many yards. We've only been averaging seven a game all season. And Holly Rhodes says, hey, did you address that with the guys in the locker room? And he said, oh, yeah. And they kind of <laughs> chuckled about it. And as she ends up saying, she ends the sentence, like the H is still like falling out of her mouth. And as she's saying it, Ole Miss rips off a 25-yard run and the first play from scrimmage in the second half and some dumbass safety hits hits somebody late out of bounds and it's a 15-yard penalty unsportsmanlike conduct on the first play <laughs> of the second half. Oh, yeah. Oh, I talked to him all right. Oh my okay. <laughs> my my favorite line also involved uh, Holly Rowe. This is, this is Brad Nessler <laughs> saying this. So he's, Brad Nessler says, Holly Rowe S. Senquez Golson. Uh, are you really 5'9"? He goes, come on, give me 5'9 and a half. Um, so Nest- your line, <laughs> So I'm going to explain this. I'm going to explain this. Because as somebody who is 5'9", I get totally why Senquest Golson said, give me 5'9 and a half. That's yeah. all he's asking for. Just give me that go. half inch a little bit because then he can round up when he's wearing the shoes, all that stuff. So Nestler, like, 
to think about him, you know, asking about his frame. You know, Nestor said after that he asked Sanquez Golson about this, and he asked him, like, if he'd be better suited to be a baseball player because he played on the oh, Ole Miss yeah. baseball team as well. And he's like, you know, because there's the Calvin Johnsons of the world in the NFL. Yeah, that was uncomfortable when he brought that up. <laughs> I bet Golson, when he was asked that question, is like, bro, are you serious? Are yeah, you why serious are you doing right this? Now? Why would you ask that to me? But the the irony is that he said the guys team, in the guys in the NFL are a little bigger. Or so, yeah. it, was, it was something like he didn't say that outright, but it was it was so it was such a weird moment from somebody as professional as Nestle. I don't think he meant anything by it, but he was like, yeah. "Hey, you're too short to play in the NFL, bro. Like, what are you yeah. doing?" <laughs> it's kind of condescending for you know an, yeah. an all American like this. And, yeah. And in this game, of course, though, you see big receivers like Duke Williams and Sammy Coates, and he kind of struggled with them. There were moments downfield where they won those battles, and he made plays in this game. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, he had the interception. He had a couple nice pass breakups, but there was that third down play where it should have been a pick six. It just should have been. Auburn's deep in its own territory late in the game. Golson jumps this route perfectly, and it tips right to Sammy Coates on third down, and it keeps... And when you say lucky... That that was lucky. He was three yards in front of the receiver... It is thrown directly at him from about no like no further than ten yards away, and he has nothing but green turf on the sideline, in front yeah. of him in the, in, in the end zone. And the guy who is leading the country in, in interceptions with nine drops it. Yeah. He not only drops it, but it pops straight up in the air over his head and right into Duke Williams' hands. Sammy Coates, yeah, or Sammy Coates. And when you say Auburn gets lucky, I just I mean. Mm. Yeah. My God, uh, yeah, and that was also that was also right after the Bo Wallace fumble, on um, where he like was like kind of not in a pile but like not not he in a pile f- and tried to extend the ball over his head like an idiot and then he fumbled. So anyway, uh, yeah, that that was that was a, that was a good quote. I I, I was thinking of the <laughs> the part with like the Holly Road thing when she was like, uh, oh yeah, oh, it reminds yeah. me of when Nate, when, no, not Nate, who's the uh, who's uh, Dwight's friend. Uh, with the glasses, like the weird guy. They, oh they, yeah, yeah. Who Angela hires to kill. Game. Yeah, yeah. No, no, not that guy. So Angela hires that other dude to kill Oscar. It's the same guy. Like, well, no, it's not. Yes, it's just, it's the it's the same guy from that beard that's, bet, beard bet, beard bet. I'm telling you, I think it's the same guy. I'll bet you my beard and twenty dollars. I'm I'm not willing I'm not willing to to go beard and twenty dollars. I'm I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. You're gonna have to look this up right now. I already I know I'm right. I'm not gonna look it up. Okay. So we'll circle back to this. So anyway, Angela goes, "Well, do you have a gun?" And he's like, huh, "What do you think?" And he holds out a receipt. <laughs> Just like, yeah. She's like, "What's that?" It's like, "It's a receipt for a gun." <laughs> like that's that's what the Gus Malzahn quote reminded me of. Anyway, the coldest take from the broadcast: Brad Nessler after that long Bo Wallace run. Oh um, yeah, this is good. Really, really nice, impressive play. Keeps the play alive. I think they even had 15 yards tacked on to it at the end of it for, was that? for, for a face mask because of an Auburn penalty, of course. So Nestler says, Bo Wallace is going to mess around and have 100 yards rushing. <laughs> he had 63 at the time. You want to guess how much he finished with? Is it 64? 56. 56, that's right, yeah. He went the wrong way. Um, not not to say that Bo Wallace wasn't mobile that, that game, but... Um, yeah, I mean, to say that he was going to have that type of a day, maybe a bit ambitious, all things considered. So the coldest thing I had was when, before the, the, the play, um, when Nestler made the comment about, you don't have to get all three here, because you're not going to get the ball back. That's for sure. And they, they ended up getting the ball back. So, is the friend's name, is the friend's name Rolf? 
Yeah. No, that's not. No. That Rolf is the guy you're thinking of. Okay. All right. No. That's fair. So, that's fair. Anyway, I have one, um, one other one. Okay. The Anytime they talked about the big playoff implications, I don't think this is really a cold take because at the time, it was really an elimination game. Yeah. They actually avoided the cold take by saying whoever wins this game is going to be set up really well to go to the playoff because yeah. obviously both of these teams suffered multiple losses after this game. And what happened after this game made it look like this game wasn't as significant as it was at the time. But I wanted to just point that out because I thought it was nice of them to... I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that moment. We're talking about a game between the number three team in the country and number four. And there really wasn't those... There weren't those, oh, this team is... you know, Now they're in good shape to win the SEC or something like that. Yeah. They, they've avoided those, those potential traps because the division was so good, it probably would have been foolish to say that. Right. No, I, I agree with that. I think so... It's also we're in this new time. We're like in this just this new time where you don't know, like, necessarily what what is going to come of all this. The first you know? year of the playoff, yeah, yeah. And so I think it was it was interesting to watch um, for a lot of reasons, obviously. But uh, yeah, that that was that was I guess that was a good not cold take. My I mean, it was it was interesting. Also, the fact that I thought that uh, I just didn't realize how many how many analysts or on air guys are just recycled by the old networks. Yeah, Brad yeah, and Nestle they, all and they used to both be on the 330 CBS game and all that kind of stuff. And, and like, so one thing I did want to talk about, like, real quick is just, like, the, the way the, pl- the game played out. This was, and if Bama fans are being honest with themselves, this was, this was a nightmare future you thought you were looking into. Because Bama had already lost this Ole Miss team. And we talk about that hurry up, no huddle offense. Like, this was, this, this matchup was, like, the absolute peak of that whole like spread offense, like they had, I want to say it was, damn it, where did I write it down? Because you know I did. They had, I think there was nine total touchdowns scored in this game, right? Back and forth for for a lot of it. I mean, Ole Miss, Ole Miss had a, a double-digit lead and had a, a chance to put Auburn away in the second half, but ultimately these two offenses were clicking. And it did, it, early on it kind of felt like, this is going to be this drag out, maybe seventeen yeah. to fourteen type game, and it just did not play out that way at all. And all of a sudden, these offense figured out we can put them on their heels, and it wasn't just throwing. No, there was it was balance in this game. I thought Ole Miss threw the ball a little bit. I mean, they threw the ball more than they ran it, but some of those yeah. long Bo Wallace runs certainly helped in terms of uh, in terms of balance and making it look like it wasn't just a shootout. So, so what was crazy about this game though is they had. Yeah, you're right. Like it, it was, it was a very well balanced game. But there was nine total touchdowns that were scored. Three of them were less than 35 seconds. Okay, Gosh, is that right? Yes, six of them were less than three minutes. And the longest drive of the entire game was four minutes and three seconds. Wow! It was, it was, it was really fun to watch. It, it was like, and one thing that was impressive and credit to Auburn in this game was every time in the second half, Ole Miss scored. The next drive, Auburn came right back down the field and scored again. And and so the second half especially, you had this back-and-forth feeling because the score is really high. But you look at that first half, Auburn's down 14-7 for most of the first half and, and is like going into halftime still down. And all of a sudden, what's his name? Marshall hits a bomb to, to mm-hmm. Sammy Coates for, you know, with a minute and like 24 seconds to go in the first half. And it's tied up at 14. It, it was This is a great game. Come to think of it, now that mention it i can't remember a single instance you know that when, when you're watching a football game and it's if it doesn't matter necessarily what team you're rooting for you have that 
that eye on the snap as opposed to the play clock. And you're like, is he going to get this off? Is he going to get this yeah. off? There was not a single moment I remember in this game where I'm like, are they going to get it off? Are they going to get Dude. it off? <laughs> they just like, and, and that's the thing, Gus, it's, it's a kind of, I don't want to say played out now, but people are kind of more used to it. But that whole thing, when, when Gus Malzahn, you know, when Gus Malzahn gets first down, he likes to go. So he's probably, look for him to do the hurry up here. You hear it every single time. And this was just like, like from from as soon as the opening kick, there's no settling into this game. No, they just went right into it. The Jadavion Clowney reminder that normal people don't play this game, dude. We had the same answer twice now. Do we? Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Um, Treadwell catches this pass from <laughs> Bo Wallace that I I would have loved to have seen a radar gun on this pass. It was a hundred miles an hour. You can't. It was tell a thousand miles an hour. <laughs> there's there's no way you can convince me otherwise. And the funny thing about this play of of like watching this play out, it was he it was like he was rolling out to his left and he had a bunch of guys downfield or whatever. And the way that he throws this and he steps into it, so I'm trying to like mimic this right now. You can see me doing this. And the way that he stepped and his release, everything about it suggested that he was throwing this ball 40 yards downfield. Yeah. <laughs> and instead, it was like eight yards away to Treadwell. And Treadwell's the only one who sees this. And I'm like, wait a minute. It, it basically fooled the camera person as well. Yes. And it was like, how did, how in it Treadwell, like, how did he possibly catch that pass? It was like the Dak Prescott pregame warm-up is the way he was like <laughs> uncorking this ball. And it, it, like, it, I, I was laughing when we brought it up too because... Today apparently is the anniversary of when Randy Johnson threw that that fastball that that, that exploded oh, yeah. that bird, and that's what it reminded me of because it was like, son, why are you throwing that ball? That like, what are you doing? Like it was he that thing was that, that's the hardest ball he's ever thrown in his life, and it was on an eight Easily. yard and and and, and quite, Treadwell had a couple of drops in this game, but that play and like specifically that he caught now. There was a play, maybe we don't have the same one, because he did this again later, and he didn't throw it as hard. I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But he did this again later, and it was it was going in towards towards like like the score. They were in the red zone. And as he threw it, the safety from Auburn came downhill, and I mean just was like, had every single bad intention you could ever, ever have, yep. and lit up Treadwell. Yep. And he got right back up. It's a big dude. That's a like, big, big dude. Yeah, there, I, I just I was so amazed watching Auburn defenders be fooled by this throw because yeah. it just looked like he was throwing it so far downfield. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that. It it's like amazing. when you're like with your dog and you like you like pump fake and he just like turns his head. Yeah, like, where'd it go? Uh, yeah, it was. I, I I didn't. I also had like the reminder that normally don't play this game. I, like as like a you know another category subcategory. Just the receivers in this game in general that we already mm. talked about. Just yeah. I mean, that, that was, it was such an incredible time to think about like how just how big and physical those guys were if you weren't 6'4 220 and just don't even bother playing in this game yeah and they were yeah the trent richardson i can't believe they didn't make it in the nfl (sighs) i i know he's still active but it has to go to treadwell because treadwell can you a-hole i know i know the falcons just signed him guess what they have another first rounder from the sec crazy right treadwell when he came out and I was, I was, I'm not just saying this because of hindsight. I couldn't believe that Mike Thomas wasn't getting enough love, but I still thought, okay, Treadwell should be the first receiver drafted, yeah. and Mike Thomas should be the second receiver drafted, because watching what he did in college and watching this game, the hands, the size, you're just like, 
that's an NFL receiver. You look at him and you just think, yep, he's going to be able to make catches on the outside for yeah. you know 12 years, no problem. He's going to make Pro Bowls, no big deal. Yeah, NFL body at like 17. It's, I mean, it's so amazing. Can I say that? It, sound, it no, sounded you weird. you can say that. I mean, that's part of the reason that he was so good as, as, a, as a freshman, too, yeah. at Ole Miss. But then he has this this bad pro day. And all of a sudden, you know, there's. I remember there being more questions about him. And there a lot of that stuff was really confirmed. I mean, he just did not look necessarily fast and explosive at this pro day. And not to say that that should have, you know, been everything we should have known just because of that. But, you know, he's entering year five in the NFL. He has two receiving touchdowns, 701 receiving yards, only one season with 300-plus yards. Will he get a new life with the Falcons? Will he get a new life? I hope so. I hope so. a young quarterback like Matt Ryan? Why not? Um, Spry chicken like Matt Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, like the, the Falcons, they posted this thing the other day that was like, that's right, we're the only team with 10 first round picks on the team and i was like you dumb idiots like five of them are on the offensive line and they've had the worst (laughs) offensive line in like the nfc for i don't even know how long um so that was not something to brag about that's just like i mean (laughs) we've got the most former high school stars that never went to college ever working at this applebee's and it's like what are you doing i don't get that it's like uh, um in parks and rec when uh the the model un episode and andy (laughs) It's like trying to do whatever he can. He's like, oh, I got everybody's lines. I'm not sure if they're going to mean anything in this, but right. you know, if they do, I think I'm in really good, good. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I just traded our whole military for 50 lions. Um, so I put Kendichi just because it's it just kind of blew my mind that he didn't uh, that he didn't pan out as much because he was still he was still like a, a physical freak. He went in the first round, so yeah. Like a, 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 you know, a chance on him. And the other one is 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 Duke Williams. I just don't I don't get it. I, yeah. He was so go back and put on the tape of that 2014 game and like he was just Amari Cooper was a star of that game and had I don't even know how many yards. I think he had like 240 yards receiving or something like that. He wasn't even the star of the game necessarily. It was it was like Duke Williams was a man among boys. And Duke Williams has a great chant name. Hearing those that small section of Auburn fans every time he caught a ball go Duke was I mean yeah, I, I, I I love that too. The Kendici, I didn't put Kimdichi on here just because and he's he's absolutely a, I have no problem with him being on here. I didn't put him on here though just because of the pre-draft incident and I kind of am like okay going into the combine you know all that stuff like how do we feel yeah. about these guys and there's you know back back then when all that happened it was like whoa. You know, well, the, you know, this guy's in a first That talent. window wasn't wasn't made correctly, and it wasn't sturdy. It wasn't a sturdy window. Why did he walk like, out all the way too? I'm like, not what? telling you why he walked okay. out. Okay. Well, I mean, there was there was they found weed at the, at the scene, but like it wasn't. You know, weed doesn't make you do that. Yeah. All right. Moving on from that, the thing that you didn't know slash remember until rewatching slash slash researching this. Um, man, so much. Just so much. Like, it was, I forgot, I just forgot how incredible the 2014 season is. And it, it's like, I was up until 2 a.m. last night watching this stuff and, and just blissfully in a, in a deep dive because it was just so interesting to me. Like, just all the things that happened. So, I will say what I forgot about was I thought that, I thought Ole Miss was undefeated going into this game because they were ranked fourth. And it was interesting. And I think I brought it up earlier. That they lost the week before and they dropped to seven in the AP poll and nine in the coaches poll, but the the playoff committee, the very first week ever, was like they're still in the top four. So, I'd say probably probably that and and maybe the fact that how 
that Nick Marshall is better than I gave him credit for. That's big of you. That's big of you. I'm, I'm impressed. I apparently forgot that this was 2014 and not 2015. Um, that's one of the things I forgot. Um, I also forgot that neither of these teams even finished in the top 15. Amazing yeah, the Auburn about. loss, man. Five losses. I will never understand how they let this team lost five five games. Auburn finished one and four after this game, and their lone win was against Samford. Like that's it. They fell apart down the stretch. And the A and M one was the surprising one because the A and M one happened the next week, and it was the, I believe it was a three thirty or it was a twelve o'clock game on CBS before the Bama um, LSU game, and they. They lost like 41 to 38, and I think it ended with a weird fumble or something happening at the, at the very end that Miles Garrett recovered. And, um, God, my memory for football is really good. I wish it mattered with anything else in my right? life. Right. But, um, yeah, like this this team was like they were ranked in the top five for, for almost the entire season. And to see them like fall apart, like not fall apart because they're still a really good team, but yeah, they did not close well. And Ole Miss finished two and two, got smoked by Arkansas okay. and then by TCU as well. But, how much of that is because when you lose a game like this, that's so deflating. Obviously, they're playing without Treadwell, you know, moving forward the rest of the way. But when you lose, you know, your playoff hopes, how does that change things? I don't yeah. know, but not the not the finish that they were hoping for, certainly. So I want to tell you one of my favorite stories that I've ever heard or read about or whatever um, that happened from that game against TCU in the in the bowl game. What was it like, forty two to three or something? So it was forty two to three, and they they lost. Um, they, they, they. I think TCU scored on their first six possessions or seven possessions. Yeah, six possessions. But there was it was a twelve o'clock game and it was in Atlanta, right? So there was a, a kid. They had a but like Ole Miss. I put this in the notes. I should have brought it up earlier. This is if if I was making a bracket or power rankings of my least favorite fan bases ever, 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 ever. Not just like overall, but like for specific years. 2014 Ole Miss and 2013 Auburn would be one seeds. They'd be at the top of the... The entire student section was wearing sunglasses at night, all of them in Vineyard Vines, Patagonia vests. Like, There's a lot of Guarantee those, yeah. you 80% of them driving like a black Tahoe that they got in high school from their dad. It is just everything that I hate to a T. It, it's, it's, it's like if Vineyard Vine mannequins came to life and, and then somehow were like pre-law. I, I don't know. So... This game, they come into Atlanta for the TCU game, and this kid gets so blackout drunk for a noon kickoff. Gets so blackout drunk, and they're getting killed. He called an Uber to take him home, to take his ass home from Atlanta, passed out in the back of the Uber, and then woke up, and then was he was trying to like later on dispute the charges because he had a $962 Uber ride from Atlanta to Mississippi because the guy drove him. I mean, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say sorry for partying in that one because <laughs> you we do we do crazy things when when we're depressed. Every time you drink whiskey, leave. you fight. Every time I drink Jim Beam, <laughs> I take a damn Uber all the way across the country. I mean, at what point do you wake up and realize, huh, this isn't exactly how I thought I'd be getting home today? Oh, no, he was not happy. Yeah. When the losing team blew it, there are. There's, there's the obvious answer. We're going to get to the obvious answer. Don't worry. But there are two other instances that we have to point out. One of which, I don't want this to be an anti-Robert Kimdichie podcast, but it's kind of turning into that. It. I did start it. There's this play where Kimdichie had Marshall, I think even Nestler said it, dead to rights. This is with Ole Miss up 24-14 to 14 in this game. Third down. It's third and 11. I mean, this is the type of play that Kimdichie has to be able to make 
a sack of Marshall and, you know, that Ole Miss is going to get the ball back. They're going to, they have a 10-point lead. They're going to yeah. get really good field position, too, because nobody can punt that direction. That was the other thing that you noticed from this game. The wind apparently was, like, really strong. I don't know what it was, but nobody could punt in this direction. So Ole Miss was going to be in position to possibly go up 13, go up 17, and instead, Kandichi whiffs on this, and it's this 41-yard pass play to Duke Williams, and instead, it's like, that's what Auburn needed in that yeah. moment to wake up. That was the point in the game where they totally flipped the switch and completely turned it around. I thought, like, watching that, I'm like, okay, Kandichi's going to sack him on this play, and they're going to turn it over, no big deal, and that did not happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Nick Marshall did it to a lot of people, though. He did. He, just, he, did. he, he was a very – I tell you what, this is like – my, my least favorite play in the history of college football ever, ever, ever. They did it on the fourth play in. It took four plays, Connor, for me to be yelling at my TV or, or, or computer screen over a game I had no rooting interest in from six years ago. And it's a stupid play where they they run the fake, uh, like 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 read, basically, I guess, or, or inside zone, whatever you want to call it. And then the quarterback is sprinting at the line of scrimmage. You have probably four to five of the offensive linemen or like I'm sorry, three to four of the offensive linemen, or at least three to five yards downfield. Yeah, should run never blocking, happen. and then you just casually dump off a pass to whatever receiver's wide ass open because that, like that's not how the game of football was ever made to be played. It's and they had to actually go back play. and change the rules. Like like they, they like that specific type of plays. But like I don't care if you're like doing the hurry up no huddle. That's fine. This was like it goes against everything that everyone was ever taught. There's like a linebacker, defensive back. Like when like it anyway. So that, that I did not enjoy that. Um, what was the question? That wasn't <laughs> even team, anything related the to the question at uh, all. When did the team blow it? So when Bo Wallace decided to extend his arms on second yep. one in that play, um, that's what lost the game for them, in my opinion. And the reason why is because one, I, I get it, man. He he is like I hate to use this word, but he is a gritty player, and he he's a, a, a you know he's a very hard nosed player. But second one. Just live to live to play another day, man. Just Second one on the six yard line. On the six, six, yard, six line. yard line, down 35, 31, 631 it's, left in the game. The play oh. before this is the one I was talking about where Treadwell caught that bullet and then just got like like I don't know how it wasn't targeting. Oh and yeah, yeah. So you have second one, and they they did not run the football up, but like damn, man, just just you know live to play another down. So then it was uh, I, I that's where I think they lost it because they had a chance I think to to they had several chances to put it away and they didn't, but. I don't want to say it was a lucky force fumble for Auburn, but Derek Derek Moncrief had no idea that he punched that ball loose. I'll say that. Go back and watch the replay. He had no idea. He was just trying to make a play on the ball, and credit to him, he was in the right place at the right time. But that felt more like Bo Wallace being at an awkward angle and leaving the ball exposed, which you're taught not to do in that situation at all. And in that moment, yeah, that that's just a play that you absolutely cannot make. And then Auburn, of course, recovers that. And yes, I understand that didn't necessarily lose Ole Miss the game because they still had the drive and the play yeah. with Treadwell. Let's talk about that. Okay. Third and three. You're down 35-31 on the 20-yard line. line. Catches this little slip screen. Breaking tackles left and right. You can you can hear the the sports movie music playing in the background, and he gets pulled down by Chris Frost about like what five yards. He's trying to it drag was like him at down. The three, yeah, maybe it was five. Three, I don't know. It was three, four was, yards, whatever it was. 
Chris Frost, ironically enough, a year ago, and I, I know this because I was just doing research for, um, for, for a story for SDS, was involved in this play where he should have been called for a horse collar on Johnny Manziel, an A&M fan. Yes! Yes! In 2013! They, they should have lost that God dang it! And they let They're that the go. the luckiest team ever. And people forget that about Auburn's 2013 season. I hate you so much right now. I've brought that up so, to so many people. I just, I, and I wouldn't have known that had I not rewatched. I, I rewatched the last like four minutes of this game. So Chris Frost is again involved in this play, but this time it's not a horse collar. It's not. But the way that, and I, I don't want to keep saying like, hey, you should go watch this because it's a very gruesome injury. And if you have a, a weak stomach or something like that, you just see, you see Treadwell's yeah. leg turn and you see his leg just get caught under it. And everybody, there's mayhem. Nestler goes nuts because the yeah. rolling on the field is a touchdown. It looks like he had crossed the goal line. His feet, his feet had physically gone into the end zone, but the ball never did. And Todd Blackledge, his presence of mind right yeah. in that moment like immediately knows, oh man, he's like something bad. something bad just happened. That's that's the experience of playing in a game, knowing that those moments you're not supposed to you're not supposed to have your leg bend that way, and understanding that that was not a normal tackle, wasn't a dirty tackle, but no, I no. I think it's it was so unique because if Treadwell is like this guy who's six one one ninety, this doesn't happen. No. But he is, but his size and how much force it takes to get Everything's him down. Everything's going against him, and watching this just play out was just bizarre because of a lot of the reasons that we mentioned where they have to keep reviewing it because they want to see if the ball crossed the goal line. Treadwell is sitting there just in agony, and you're left wondering, like, wait a minute, is this not about to be this go-ahead touchdown for Ole Miss at home? And then it all just goes away in a matter of, what, two minutes in real time, three minutes? Five. It was it was five minutes because I timed it and it was like almost exactly five minutes and it was just, I mean, like I said, it's it's just one of the most bizarre things. You, I mean, like watching it, it was just it was crazy. It was it was just, yeah, like it was it's sad to watch. I hate I hate injuries like that anyway. I just hate it. Um, but it was tough to watch. It was tough to watch for sure. And I don't know if there's any sort of Ole Miss fan who is holding on to belief that that, that that the ball did cross the plane. I don't know if that makes much of a difference in that spot. But I, I wanted to watch the replay like five, six times over again, and I'm just trying to focus on watching the ball to see, wait a minute, did the ball actually cross the plane? Because that was the thing that Blackledge was actually wrong yeah. about, was that he said, I think the ball still crossed the plane, but then yeah. you watch it and you're like, oh, no, it actually didn't. The, the thing that people forget about, though, with that play – is that Evan Ingram is half a second too late on the attempt to recover the fumble when the ball goes yeah. into the end zone. And it looks like Evan Ingram is kind of Johnny on the spot. And there's going to be this fight for the ball, and maybe they can review, hey, you know, there's no clear possession here. We can't give, we can't just give Auburn the ball in, in that spot. Casanova yeah. <laughs> <laughs> McKenzie was there, and he got a clear recovery. Just happened to be at the right place. At the right time, and you know, and good for Auburn because it, it like for that program at that time especially, they needed to catch a break. Like they just they really needed to catch a break. I tell that that 2013 A and M game, I have said this on this podcast before, and you dismissed it, and and most people I say to dismiss it because it does sound like a crazy fan, like whatever. I remember Manziel screaming, and he's going like this, like for face mask on the yep. horse collar, like. And I was I was working at Whitehall down the street from where I currently live, screaming as well. Like, that's that's a that's a flag. Where's the flag? Because it was on fourth down. 
And they oh, didn't, it was, it was on, on third down. down. They didn't call it. Was it. On third down. Uh, Mike Evans also had a bobbled, uh, bobbled catch in the end zone that should have been. And again, the game winning that loss or Trey Matthews just knocks <laughs> down a ball. Anyway, um, so can we do the 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 other part about if this was flipped? What what? It would yeah, have let's let's do, do that, that next so week. What, what would have happened afterwards if the result was was flipped? We can save a lot of this for next week, but let's just yeah. let's focus on specifically the the Ole Miss season for for 2015. Just try and keep it just locked in on that because I do Bro, think it's possible. You got it. <laughs> do you, do you, do you want to save this for next week? I kind of do. Okay, because I, I think this I think it's an. It's not as interesting to bring up now because you've already yeah. brought up okay. like the, the the how they close the season, but it, it it is interesting to really break down like the the big picture right. of how everything right. played out. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I would have I would have so gotten into I would have gotten into that as well. So that's probably a good point to, to stop so me on that. The player image that um, uh, so this is this is one thing like the player image like I'll I'll start because I have like a pretty cool story from this and this is so this game I remember this game and and I remember when you said the 2014 thing, 2015 thing about Treadwell, I knew it wasn't 2015 because I actually had worked that weekend. This That's like the one weekend I would ever pick up to work shifts um, at Houston's like in the fall because I, I never worked Saturdays ever, ever because of college football. And I told him that I, when I first started in 2010, I told him I had coached my little sister's soccer team so I couldn't do it. So this game, I was like, I was looking at like scores from that same weekend and I was looking at the Georgia Florida score. I was like, I don't remember that at all. So I was working that weekend and I remember it's it's it was Halloween weekend, so it's not busy. And I remember this this black guy came in, super nice guy, and he takes off his jacket, and he's got this picture. It's obviously a, a shirt that he had made personally, like not homemade because it was nicer than that, but it was like a shirt he had made from somewhere. Yeah, custom made shirt. And it's just a picture of Laquan Treadwell, <laughs> like kind of bedazzled, like not bedazzled, but like shiny, like shiny of him just absolutely posterizing Cyrus Jones on a touchdown against Bama from a game that happened no more than a month ago. And I was like, like I was already mad. I was working on Saturday. This guy comes with us. I was like, that's an interesting shirt. Where'd you get that? He's like, oh, that's my son. I was like, Laquan Treadwell's your son. And he's like, how do you know it's not the other guy? I'm like, if you had a picture of your son <laughs> getting posterized, like, so we started talking and he'd gone to the Auburn game. Um, that. That morning, because they played, they played a twelve o'clock start against uh, against Auburn, and he was flying out of Atlanta, and so and so we started talking, and I was like, yeah, man, it's it's been it's been really fun to watch like your son make that comeback from from just the season ago when he had this mm-hmm. gruesome injury, and he said this one really meant a lot to him because he because he had like one hundred and seventeen yards and had a touchdown on SNSF, and he said he, this game specifically, and he told me this, and it was it's it gives me goosebumps, but also is like one of the more kind of effed up things I've ever heard in my life because he said his son, he said he refused to take his medicine the pain meds after he broke his leg. And he said, why is it? Cause I want to feel the pain of what I'm going through now. So I know on the other side of it, what it took to get here. Goodness. And he said, he got a, te- yeah, I have goosebumps again. So he said, right before he got like, they, he would go to the game. He told his dad before he played Auburn 2015, he said, they're going to feel, they're going to feel me today. And then like, I, I just thought it was so cool. That, that shirt sucked, but that whole story, <laughs> like it was, it was, uh, he was it was it was pretty cool, man. I, and so I, I think um, like the the lasting memory I'll always have from or the moment or image or whatever was that like, shirt. That shirt, yeah, <laughs> is um is when they they pan to Treadwell getting taken up or put up on the cart and being taken off the yep. field, and they transition that shot to the 
it might have even been a side by side of of the official making the announcement, which is still like they're doing it during the moment where all the fans are clapping for Treadwell to leave the field mm-hmm. and, and like you know standing ovation for him, and they they just kind of like slide this in, and as they do, they pan back to Treadwell almost after the exact moment they said first down Auburn, and there's a tear coming out of his eye, and it was like God dang man, that kid did everything he could like and just. What a terrible moment! Terrible moment. Glad Game we of about inches it for an hour and a half. <laughs> Game of inches. I had the exact exact same image. It's it's a, a tough one for Ole Miss fans to remember. I'm I'm sure. And but hey, incredible season all around for Ole Miss. And very good season. Some great moments that year. Yes. The frustrating thing though, seeing that window close in in one in one play. I mean, and you know that window wasn't big to begin with. Yes, I mean, maybe we didn't know at the time about the upcoming sanctions, all that stuff. We didn't know that officially, but there was this two-year window with Ole Miss, and I'm not sure. I I, I say two years loosely because in 2015, was Ole Miss really going to win a national championship with Swag Kelly? Mm. Was he really going to be the guy that, like, engineered, got Ole Miss to, to new heights? They were a better team in 2015 than they were in 2014. I think you can make that case. I think you can make that case. I but just did. The, the highs and lows of that year were just, I mean, somewhat yeah. predictable with with a, a a player like him. They beat Bama and they lose to Memphis. I mean, like. Okay, we'll talk about the Bama thing next. Well, actually, we can talk about it this week. But yeah, Bama had five turnovers and three of them were inside the 25-yard line. We're not doing this right now. Okay, we're not doing this right now. Um, hopefully, this allowed some people to at least, not just, you know, not just Ole Miss fans to, to, to reminisce in a, in a frustrating way, but hopefully this allowed SEC fans to look back on just one of the one of the crazier games we've seen in a while, and what a fitting way to kind of kick off the playoff era to have just a, a top four showdown like this. It was a lot of fun, and now I'm excited because we have our it just meant more for next week with the 2014 season, and we are going to focus on all of the things that went into this wild year in the SEC, how unprecedented it was. We're going to maybe have to I'm I'm going to do my best to find the first playoff show if I can go back and rewatch all of it to see what they were saying about, you know, four SEC teams in the top 6, all that stuff. Yeah. This is a a Marler idea and I think it's a good one. I think it's a very good Thank one. Yeah, I appreciate that. Do you have any other any other things that you want to say about Laquan Treadwell's dad's t-shirts, anything like that or it's a cool awesome. shirt. It's a cool it shirt. Is, That's a very cool that. moment. That's a yeah. very cool moment. Sorry. All right. We are going to be back with Casual Friday. We don't know what we're doing yet officially for Casual Friday, do we? No. All right. Well, we'll figure that out. I guess we got some homework to do tonight. We're going to be coming back with Casual Friday. Hope everybody enjoyed this. Matt Luke, what do we got to remember? They might mean too much. Talk to you guys tomorrow. <laughs>